Hey, folks, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Ryan Kennedy. And today's episode is with an author whose book was recommended to me by a patient called The Best Version Ever. And I enjoyed the shit out of this book. I read it a few weeks back. It's concise. And what I really liked is it's packed full of actionable advice that proved super useful to me, especially as I was reflecting on 2022 and mapping out my goals and vision for the new year. So I brought on the author, Josh Painter, who founded The Best Version Ever Community because he realized most people are living a life that others expect of them, not one true to themselves. And unfortunately, he was in the same boat, moving from job to job, barely getting by. At one point, he almost lost everything, which we're going to talk about in today's episode. And since that time, this dude has built and sold a successful real estate company. He started a charity organization. And he really lives out his best life ever and helps others do the same. So Josh, welcome to the show, man. Dude, thanks so much, man. It's it's good to uh it's good to be here and, and catch up and, and see how close we live to each other. So I know, right? One cool. of the things I found super inspiring about your story was overcoming this massive setback in the 0809 financial collapse. And so I want you to share as we kick things off your backstory leading up to that point and then kind of your journey coming out of that for people listening in. Yeah. So I guess it's hard to start that story without super rewinding uh, back to when I was 17. Uh, in high school, found out my girlfriend was pregnant. Um, and so, you know, as, as a young kid, I thought that there were certain things that I was then supposed to do, right? You're okay, you're supposed to get married, you're supposed to get a full time job. Doesn't really matter if you're passionate about it, right? You've got to pay the bills, you've got to get bills and collect bills and just keep living this life. And, um, you know, I very much lived a life that I thought I was expected to live. And and someone challenged me recently and said, well, who expected that from you? And it's like, uh, well, I guess myself. And I, I guess I told myself that, right? Um, but But a lot of us, I think, have this feeling of, you know, there are certain milestones that you're just supposed to hit. Um, we very rarely give thought to them. So, you know, I did that for a good 10 plus years. Um, and at one point I even worked in a jail for five years and felt like I was in jail. Um, but at 30 years old, um, I reached a turning point where, you know, I just remember it was my birthday on my 30th birthday. Um, and I was deep in the middle of, you know, what I call the trifecta of bad credit. Um, I had our filed bankruptcy, lost a house, and little did I know that later on divorce was going to be on the horizon all within a six month period. Uh, but at 30 years old, I remember thinking, okay, if I don't do something different, uh, before you know it, I'll wake up and another 10 years will have gone by and I'll be 40 and I'll still be living this life of expectations, right? And on mm -hmm. autopilot. So, so yeah, at 30 years old, I decided to burn the boats and, um, you know, leave that relationship, um, and just set off on a new course. Um, I just, I, there's so much to unpack, right? Because I would say I, I worked in the jail for five years and I must've been around 26 or 27 when I decided I couldn't do that anymore and I needed to leave. So I decided to get into real estate right around 2005. Um, as a loan officer, I made it a good three years. Um, but you know, the market collapsed and I just didn't have enough experience or 
clientele to kind of weather through that. So got a job again. And so that brings me to, again, now I'm, now I'm 30 years old. It's about 2008. I'm working a job. I'm still trying to make loans work. And, um, I just remember thinking like, I got, I got to go all in on this. Uh, so I walked into my boss's office and just said, Hey, how do I quit? And, and I could tell that like, no one had ever asked that before because it was a government job mm-hmm. and they're like, uh, put it in writing. And I said, okay, would an email work? And they said, yes. I said, all right, cool. And I went to my desk, typed an email and said, I'm resigning and just drove home. Um, so I'm doing loans and I mean, man, I'm, I'm struggling at this point. I've got a $600 a month apartment, two bedroom. So each kid can have their own room. Um, and I sold a Honda civic just to be able to get cash to rent an apartment. Um, and you know the foreclosure wave is happening and banks are just taking forever to sign paperwork and get homes sold and i remember i worked on one loan for months um and it was a small loan 75 grand so at the end of the deal i call the real estate agent to congratulate her and i'll never forget because i made about 400 dollars on this loan she says okay and she doesn't sound excited and i was like aren't you excited like we finally closed this one and she goes, well, yeah, it wasn't really a big deal for me. I think I only made $4,000 on this one. Uh, so that, I mean, that day I was like, I'm on the wrong side of this. Uh, so I already had a real estate license because I did loans. And I drove to the real estate office nearby uh, that she worked at because that's what I had in my mind. And I said, where do I sign up? And then the next day I bought 12 generic open house signs. I put them up at a foreclosure and about 40 people came in and I wrote an offer on that house. Now the offer did not get accepted, but I still realized I was like, wait a minute, if I just do this every single day, there's no way I'm not going to sell a house this month. Um, And that ended up, you know, proven true. I mean, I, it took me a good three months before the first one closed. Uh, But from that point, it just snowballed. So, yeah. Yeah, that was like that was a super long answer about a turning point, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. No, I mean, dude, that's that's what I was really inspired by because you I mean being a young father, going through this massive, you know, financial, you know, bankruptcy and and then the divorce and just everything just coming together at, against you all at the same time. And then what impressed me reading about the story in your book was that you know a lot of people lost everything during this time, but only a small percentage of them overcame that setback and actually thrived on the other side of it. And I'm curious to hear, what do you think sets people apart who are going through tough times rather than throwing in the cards and saying like, man, I'm fucked. This sucks. Opposed to saying like, this is an opportunity. I'm going to really take this and do everything I can to come out the other, other side better, you know, than I started. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's important to remember that we're all fucked at various times in our lives. Right. I mean, and nothing, nothing that I, I don't think anything I faced was unique to me. So I think the difference is just realizing uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mindset shift for sure, but just realizing mm-hmm. like nothing lasts forever. Um, you know, I often, I got asked this question this morning, like, how do you move on when you're facing adversities? It's like, well, I just remind myself that, things that bothered me a few years ago, I'm not even thinking about them anymore. And 
whatever's bothering me right now today, I'm not going to remember this two years from now. Right. So I, I try to fast forward into that mindset of like, you know, if, if, if life is 10% what happens and 90% how I react, and those are just numbers I pulled out of my ass, but I, I just always think of like, okay, this already happened. Anything that happens after this happened is just however, is just all my reaction to it. Um, so, you know, the faster I can get over that and move on and, and figure out a way, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I feel it's so funny. Cause like I lost my house in 07 and relatively speaking, that was early, com, you know, compared to other people, right? Some people lost their homes in 08, 09, 10. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that I was one of the first ones because that made it easier for me to bounce back faster. You know what I mean? I, like I know people that held on and held and held on and held on and scraped for years and then ended up, you know, losing it anyway. So I feel very fortunate that I just got it over with fast, you know, and was able to bounce, like you said, bounce back. Um, I just almost, almost immediately, I just started thinking like, okay, when can I buy a house again? You know, two yeah. years. No, oh, that's awesome. That didn't yeah. like scar you from real estate. Cause a lot of people, I think where that happens, I could see it you know, happening where you just don't want anything to do with real estate after that, after going through that type of issue. And, um, yeah. you know, it's definitely an interesting shift of frame where your mindset was. And I think that's yeah. a good way to look at it. It's just like in the future, is this really going to be that big a deal? Um, and yeah. time, time definitely does soften the blow. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I knew, okay, I got burned, but let's jump back in when I can. Right. And yeah, I remember thinking like, okay, in two years, I can buy a house. Matter of fact, after a year and a half, I bought a house, um, just started throwing in applications and one lender approved me nice. <laughs> out of, out of probably 10. So, wow. Yeah. And so as you got started with the real estate, you know, you're starting from scratch, how long did it take you to build momentum in that and actually get some good, you know, deal flow coming in and get some good leads and actually start to make an income to where you could crawl out of the the deficit. So I started generating leads almost immediately because if you do, and literally if you spend eight hours a day, five days a week, you're, there's no way you're not going to generate leads. So I started working with people almost right away. Um, but I didn't have my first closing for three months. Um, but once I got the first closing and then the next one, probably also that month, and then the next one, the next month, uh, it's never not been a thing since 2008, right? I've never, yeah. I, it took me three months to get momentum. Okay. Wow, that's answer, quick. To answer man. your question. Yeah. yeah, especially in a time when, you know, the market was not on fire. You know, it wasn't like people were jumping for joy to buy homes necessarily. And were you working with mainly investors at the time or just residential home buyers? So we're talking about initially 2008. So there was a lull from 07 to 08. And that was the period where I had the government job, you know, on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, in early 08, I quickly realized that uh, a few things were happening. Banks were unloading houses onto the market and there was nobody there to market them or sell them. Meaning like if you're a listing agent and you get a bank owned listing, they were doing the bare minimum, man. They, they just... They weren't marketing them at all. They were just taking some photos with an old ass camera and posting it online. So th- that was happening. And then at the same time, all these buyers were coming out now because homes were 50% off, relatively speaking, you know, give or take. Yeah. 
So those two things combined, what I was doing was I was taking all of the bank owned listings in my office and I was posting them on Craigslist as if they were my own because I had permission and the listing agents didn't care. So I would post these listings on Craigslist and then buyers would call me and go, Hey, I'd like to see this home. I'd be like, cool, let's meet there. And I'd make friends with them. And so I was just finding all these buyers that again, couldn't afford a home two years before that. And now they were half price. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I made a, a business out of that. The following year I started working with investors and you know, that's its own story in the book. If you want, we can go into that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into that as it kind of accumulates to where you yeah. ultimately sold your real estate business. So I want to kind of, you know, paint yeah, a picture yeah. here. Yeah. So <clears throat> about a year after that, oh, and by the way, um, I had, didn't even tell that story, but I, uh, I had ended up borrowing like 12 grand from my parents, 10 grand to keep the house that I ended up losing. Uh, and then another 2000 when I was down to like my last $60. Um, so September, I closed my first few deals. Fast forward to May, the following year of 09, I give them a check for 12 grand. I'm good. Don't even miss the money. Things are good. And then it must have been, I think it was June or July, like two months after that, I get a text from the manager in the office and he says, do you want to work with some investors in San Diego? I could have asked a million questions, but this is just one of those opportunities where I tell people like, just say yes, just figure everything out later, right? Say mm -hmm. yes. So I just, I just text him back and I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, cool. Well, they're going to be in the office this week, Thursday, meet them. And I'm like thinking like, oh shit, he's not going to be here. Okay. So they tell me, Hey, you know, we're looking to buy and flip homes. We'd love it. If we could just do one or two a month, you know, if we could do 12, maybe 24 in a year, that's our ultimate goal. I said, okay. So I walked them through like everything that we would do for them and how they were going to accomplish this. And, and I pretty much didn't know what I was talking about, to be quite honest. I mean, I had ideas, um, but at the end of that meeting, they said, okay, um, send us a proposal. And I was like, a proposal. I'm thinking like, what is, what are they talking about? So I go home, I down, I Google proposal template. I download a word doc and I fill this whole thing out, just proposing everything that we're going to do. Um, they asked me to meet them at the house the next day with the contractor I always work with. So calling around, I'm like, I need a contractor. I need a contractor. This guy, Greg's name comes up. I call Greg. I'm like, I don't know you meet me at this house tomorrow. Just get there early. Let's just become real quick friends. So we meet there. We bro out. The investors come. We walk up through this house. They're like, all right. At the end, they go, we'll let you know. <clears throat> so I'm getting in my car. Phone rings. They go, hey, we bought a house yesterday. Send us a listing agreement for it. All right, cool. That turned into a four-year relationship where I helped them buy and sell over about 400 homes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, at the height, keep in mind, their goal was to do 12 to 24 a year. Yeah. At the height, we were holding 60, Jeez. you know, like at any given time, we'd have like 20 on the market, 20 in escrow and 20 being rehabbed. Right. I mean, at the, at the height, I remember counting at least 60 homes that they were holding onto. They ended up getting like a $12 million credit line. 
I had, I had eight full-time drivers. All they would do is drive every night. They would drive the properties the night before they would go to the auction and just give me all the notes on them, see if they were occupied. We had all these just things that we had learned throughout the process of like, if you can't tell if the home's occupied, turn on the water on the hose. If no water comes out, the water's turned off, right? I mean, we're just trying to figure out who lives here, what the situation was. We'd always try to find an open window so we could get inside and just check out how the house is. Um, I had three full-time assistants. One of them, her job was just to drive around, put on, take off lock boxes, and then take notes on properties. And then uh, we had one or two people that would go to the auction and bid for these guys. So I got on the job training on how to flip homes, right? Because I got to walk them through enough of these that I quickly learned, oh, okay, this is what flipping homes looks like. And they got on the job training too, because they didn't really know what they were doing. Um, but yeah, it turned that into, I think 360 homes, but then another guy heard what I was doing for them and he approached me and I ended up helping him buy and sell 60 homes. So altogether over 400, I would say after, I'm trying to like segue back to your original question. So after about a year of doing that, I just, I remember like running on the treadmill and listening to Tony Robbins and just getting all super motivated one day and thinking I should get my broker's license. Um, so that day I went home and this story is like not even in the book, but that day I just go home and just sign up for, to take, to do the schooling and the test for the broker's license. So I passed that test, start my own brokerage because I want to, you know, stop paying the brokerage uh, fees. And then after I've got my broker's license, I think like, oh, I should invite a couple friends. Maybe they'll work, you know, work with me. And they do. And that just snowballed, man. It was like became this word of mouth thing or I was I'd work with an agent and we'd do a deal together, build rapport. I'd invite them and. I mean, before you know it, I had 50 agents in my brokerage. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. And during this time, when you're working with the flippers, you're selling all these homes, are you actively investing yourself? Are you seeing what these guys are doing? And like, hey, maybe I should flip some homes. I can see what's going on here or, or even buy and hold and, you know, yeah. build a rental yeah. portfolio. Yeah. So like I said, I got on the job training. Um, so what happened was I, I saved up enough commissions so that I had 40 grand. And I had two other friends in real estate and they were almost a similar situation. So the three of us each put in 40 grand. We bought a house and I'm just loosely speaking, uh, we bought a house for $120,000 at the auction and we sold it for 150. Now we each had 50 grand. So we each put in 50 and bought a house for 150, sold it for whatever, 180, 190, right? Now we each mm -hmm. have 60 grand um, and so on. And it just snowballed from there, right? Like we just kept doing it a lot. Um, so yeah, um, that, that was, I had a good, good run of uh, flipping business from roughly 2011 to 20. 14. I mean, I've still done them over the years, right? Like I've done, I did a couple in the last couple of years. It's just SoCal's a little more difficult and I, I'd been more brokerage focused lately. So. Mm -hmm. And then at what point did you decide to sell the brokerage? That's funny. Um, you know, God, it all, it all ties back to like what we were talking about. I was in a mastermind and we decided to go paddle boarding and there was a new guy. And he didn't know how to paddleboard. So he's just 
kind of moving around on his knees, not getting up. And so I'm a nice guy. I, I was like, I'm going to hang out with this guy. I feel bad for him. He doesn't where everyone else is taking off. Mm-hmm. And so um, I asked him like, Hey man, why do you work? Uh, Cause he worked with a competing brokerage. Why do you work there? And he goes, Oh, they bought my business. And I was like, wait, what? And I just, had never heard of that in the, in the real estate space. I know it exists, but I just had never even thought about it. So I just, I was like, Hey man, make, make an intro for me. So I ended up talking to them for like three or four months, nothing came of it. Um, but one of them that I was talking to, um, a few months later ended up buying a franchise and coming back to me and saying, Hey, let's do that deal. And I said, okay. Um, so we talk for a few months and then the world shuts down and it's COVID hits in March. Right. And so they're like, Hey, we're not buying any businesses right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I get it. And then fast forward to like May ish real estate's still selling, nothing's changed. And so we go, Hey, let's do the deal. And, um, so I sold my brokerage in June of 2020. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And then since then you've just been all in on best version ever what's been what what's your active uh you know business at the moment what kind of stuff are you getting into great question so something that just based on timing was not able to make it into the book uh the company that bought my brokerage actually ran itself into the ground three months ago <laughs> oh no and and now that this has happened I'm hearing that it's like a pretty common story I I just didn't know this was a thing but evidently like so I was talking to one of my friends. He's like, yeah, my dad, my dad has sold automotive, uh, automotive repair places so many times. And then he just gets them back because the place runs it into the ground. And he's like, my dad's done this over and over and over again. So, um, yeah, man, they just, uh, they ran everything. They just ran out of money. And, um, since they couldn't finish uh, paying us, they said, here's your company's back. Um, which is crazy because, the companies are profitable. Like it's a real estate brokerage. We're not, it's not some crazy thing. It's yeah. So, so you're one of the first ones to hear this, but um, I'm actually um, bringing back three separate brokerages right now, as we speak in Southern California. Exciting. I like it, but still doing the best version ever thing, of course. Um, Yeah. But, but it's just crazy because when I started last year, so, I mean, so I was involved with the company uh, that bought me out, you know, I was in a leadership role there. Uh, but you know, the, the plan was, okay, you know, I do these goal setting events. Um, I'm going to write the book. I'm going to turn this into this. And then, you know, three months ago, life laughed at me and was like, no, got different plans. So. Well, I want to transition to the goal setting side of things. Cause you do have a really cool method for identifying and really narrowing down goals that I found super valuable in the book. And as we, you know, roll into the new year, I think it'd be great to dissect the details for people listening in. Um, so, so outline kind of your strategy uh, of what you teach people in your community for, for goal setting. Yeah. I mean, so it, it starts with questions, right? Introspection, journaling, which you can find all the questions in the book, you know, obviously we're not going to read them, but there's this idea that questions are, are like a lens to the world. And as soon as you're asked a question, or as soon as you ask yourself a question, it totally changes the way that you see things. And so what I've done is studied questions that bring out the best in people, allow people to see their future self. Um, 
because I'm just not a big fan of just sitting down and going, okay, what are my goals? Right. It's totally uninspiring. So, um, so, I mean, I guess long story short, I've, I've spent a lot of time crafting good questions to kind of help those answers reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, from there, we even go into just like a total brain dump of write down everything that comes to mind, no matter how ridiculous it is. Um, and I've got tons of prompts for people that just maybe are having a hard time thinking of things. So, and then once you do a brain dump, then you can kind of narrow it down, asking yourself different questions like, is this relevant to me? You know, is this, is this my goal or is this someone else's goal? Right. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, no, that's the perfect way to start because then you got a vision of, you know, really what you want and then you yeah. can reverse engineer it from there into, yeah. you know, scheduling things out to mm -hmm. gain that momentum. Because one of the things I teach the patients I work with is having these overarching kind of macro goals. It's all fine and good, but they don't really help you, especially yeah. the way most people do goal settings. Like, hey, I want to make this much money and I want to achieve this in my health and fitness and I want to do this with my relationships or travel. It's like, all right, awesome. Like those are great to have uh, kind of as your North star, so to say. Mm -hmm. But if you don't dissect that and actually break down like, all right, in order to get there, yeah, this is what I need to do to, I need to make this much per month or this much per week in my business. And in order to get there, I need to generate this number of leads. And yeah. in order to get those leads, I need to make this number of calls or send out this number of emails or whatever yeah. kind of systems you have in place for your specific business. And that's where most people miss that step of like the mm -hmm. daily actions, the daily steps and habits that are actually going to work you towards those goals. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big fan of just more so focusing on day to day. What can you do today? What can you yeah. do tomorrow? What can you do next week to incrementally work you towards these bigger overarching objectives? Yeah. And that's one thing that we actually do do in the, in the game plan chapter, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, if you were on track to finish this, or hit this milestone in a year, what would that look like? What, what are the things that I need to do every single month? What are the things that I need to do every single week daily? And then the best is like, what can I do right this second to move me towards that goal? Shut the book. Don't come back until you've done that. That started from something I did in my live events, right? We would do the goals and then I would just kick everyone out of the room and say, go take the first action. Don't come back until you have. And so what it forces people to do is like, you know, people always, oh, oh man, I want to go to the, I want to lose weight. Cool. Go join a gym. Like don't come back in this room until you have a gym membership or, or if you're trying to like track your food or eat better, right? Like go download this app that tracks, you know, you're going to start tracking your food today. Right. I mean, those are just simple, simple examples. I had one girl come back and she's like, I called my boss and told him I'm going to work part-time starting today. Cause I want to follow my dream. And I'm like, okay, that's what we're talking about. So yeah. Yeah. We've had lots of, uh, little micro actions that, that make it, it's taking that first step, right? Like I think statistically, like I'm not going to say the wrong numbers, but just taking that first step is so huge mm -hmm. and often the hardest part. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's building that momentum that starts to create that compound effect. That's mm -hmm. the most powerful tool for sustaining progress and really continuing with the habits. Even if it seems daunting at first, you just got to get going. And as you build momentum, it starts to become easier and then you're seeing results and getting progress. And then it all starts to add up on itself, which is always the key to, to really advancing more quickly. Yeah. 
So one of the things I wanted to ask you about as you've kind of gone through this journey from kind of starting from scratch, building this awesome real estate brokerage and also this community is uh, what teacher or teaching has had the greatest impact on your life? If you could identify a mentor or a book or anything that was, a, you know, learning from that you learned from that really excels you on, on your journey. Mm. There's so, oh man, there's so many. You know, one of the reasons I wrote the book is so I could would stop having to recommend so many books, right? Um, <laughs> it's like, here, just read this. It has everything I've ever learned. Yeah. Um, damn. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Darren Hardy's The Compound Effect. I'm a big fan of the book Living uh, Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Um, every part of me wants to look at my bookshelf right now, but I'm not going to do it. I just like, I, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with uh, Tony Robbins or Darren Hardy. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Well, well, as we wrap things up here, man, I do have a question tying things back to real estate, just because you've been in the game for so long. What are your predictions on the market moving forward? You know, you hear all these people who are, you know, sky is falling. This is going to be the worst crash in, in our lives. And then you have other people like, oh, it's going to, stabilize out and it's going to be pretty mild on on real estate i'm just curious to hear your thoughts no don't have, no, no, i understand you don't have a crystal ball but just totally. your, your opinion yep so the very first thing i'm going to say is i'm i'm often wrong no <laughs> uh, you know like I, I like i just stopped predicting things because i remember in 2014 it kind of felt slow and we were all like oh is this the top of the market again yeah uh -huh. So, so I've stopped like trying to, I, I, okay. So when COVID first started, everyone's like, that's it. That was the best run we've ever had. The market's going down. Right. Yeah. Everybody was wrong. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, I, I was selling a house at that time and buying, and I asked 40 of like, just my highest regarded friends who were all multimillionaires. I asked every, all of them for their advice. What, what would you do? 38 of them said, sell the house and go rent. And if I had done that, I would have missed out on 25% appreciation. Yep. Sorry, this is a long-winded answer. No, no, this is really, good context. Really saying I don't freaking know, but yeah. if I have to like think what what is what do I think will probably happen, probably just stay about the same for a while, you know? I mean... Yes, home sales are down, but they're still down to about the level they were in like 2018 or 19. So it feels like it's super slow right now because we're used to 20 and 21. Um, you know, a big wild card is, is going to be interest rates, but it kind of feels like they've kind of started leveling off. So I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It just feels it's like their answer feels like it's pretty chill here in SoCal, you know, there's been yeah. a little, a little bit of softening here and there, but you could debate whether it's softening or whether sellers were just trying to ask for unreasonable pricing, you know, based on the beginning of the, of last year. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so, I mean, final answer, uh, feels like it's just kind of plateaued a little bit and that's, that's what I'm not foreseeing any crazy increases or any crazy decreases it just feels like a plateau and maybe some softening here and there yeah yeah no i i feel the same way uh well thank you for your time today josh i'm glad we connected because we live yeah. right next to each other where i'm gonna yeah. have to get out and play some pickleball soon sounds good um, who knew where can people go to learn more about your work uh definitely recommend anyone listening in go to amazon uh or any book retailer for picking up an, a copy of your recent book best version ever 
Um, but if people want to follow along on social, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, just go to bestversionever.com. Uh, you can get get to anywhere from there. Um, and then on social, it's usually Josh Painter or Joshua Painter. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can submit your own question to be answered on the show by going to ryankennedyhealth.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Please note the information depicted in this episode is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine.